Good evening, everybody. And I shouldn't be saying welcome to the James and Vijay show. No, <laughs> welcome to the question and answer session. And this is not a TV program. There is no commercial break in between unless I make faces because the mint has come back. <laughs> That's the only commercial break you'll get today. But other than that, we got lots of questions. And uh, I do not presume to speak in place of God. So when those are our life-threatening situations and questions you have, I will always ask you to take a second opinion. Okay, like doctors do. Uh, no, if, if you are still confused with our answers, and these are serious. Some of the issues you are facing are very serious. As far as possible, I always try to stick to Scripture because the Word of God is our authority and that's where our power and our strength comes from. And God has exalted his word above all his name. So, but if you are still not convinced, I always will ask, pray, ask the Lord, ask another godly pastor, servant of God, and be confirmed in your spirit before you make a decision. So this evening, as we go to the Q&A, I would ask Pastor Vijay again to lead us in prayer, and then we'll go to the questions. Father, once again, we come to your throne room of grace. We seek for mercy and for grace during this time. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need, Lord, your anointing, O oh Lord. Without you, we can do nothing. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, everyone who's tuned in, O oh Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that you touch everyone. You would answer them, O oh Lord Jesus. Not just the question, but the questioner too. Lord, you know best what your children are going through. And therefore, I pray, Lord Jesus, whatever answers they get from the session, O oh Lord, you would make it relevant to their situation, O oh Lord Jesus. And Lord, lead them in the way of everlasting life. Thank you. Lead us all, O oh Lord Jesus, in the way of everlasting life. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Commit this entire time into your hands. Commit all of us here in this place and all around, Lord Jesus, who are tuned in. Let your anointing rest over every one of us. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, Father, and we release this time for the glory of God. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll begin with the questions. So, uh, we'll start with uh, the first. We'll go in a chronological order, Pastor Tule. Okay. So, I had previously asked, also asked a question. I'm a believer and a working woman. I have some more questions. Sir, in one of the Q&A sessions, you said that you are not afraid of, a, of Corona, but of, the, but, uh, but of the vaccine, if it is made compulsory. Sir, why should we be afraid of, of making vaccine compulsory? And if it is made compulsory by government, how should we resist? And what consequences all these will have? That's the first question, Pastor. Okay. And the second question is, my next question is, I love traveling and I've traveled to many places. While traveling, especially to the Northeast states, we went to Buddhist monasteries uh, there to see their architecture. My question is, is that wrong to visit such places, even if our conscience is clear about it? Um, this uh, the sister from Madhya Pradesh. Okay. And sister... Let's go to the first question. Like I said, I'm more concerned about, not so about the coronavirus, because there are so many diseases and more, much more deadly diseases than coronavirus. Coronavirus is not such a deadly disease. 
but I have every I have always concerns when the government tries to make certain things mandatory that everybody has to take it mm. anything because uh, then I feel you are infringing into the personal liberty which God has given when they make when the government I always believe like the conservatives in small government mm. that government should stay out of people's life as far as possible and allow people to govern themselves but the issue is this uh, like we now have mandatory isolation social distancing and it's been mandatory and in, especially in a nation like in India unbelievable force has been used mm. to make it happen too and yes, at the end of the day, U.S., India, you will see how many people died. And then in the subsequent months and years, you will see actually how many people died because of the lockdown, mm. not because of the virus. It will be much, much, much more higher. Entire families, homes, lives destroyed. And uh, the, the main question for me is like... Uh, I have no issue if the government of India says nobody can travel out of India. I'm okay with it. I have issues when a government says it is mandatory, everybody has to take this into their bodies. Then I have an issue. Then you are intruding into my personal life, into something. My body is mine. And then you are intruding into that because I don't trust you. Hmm. I don't trust any government anywhere meaning the system through which it comes in. What are you putting into my body? I do not know. I do not know what. And what what is it going to cause? I do not know. And for me, it's all a precursor to what is prophesied in the book of Revelation, that when finally, when the Antichrist comes, you cannot buy or sell uh, without the mark and it is ultimately leading to that. And you see that happening in China. Everybody everybody is targeted. Everybody has to have a, a mobile phone, and the government, government tracks you through the mobile phone, you are, and you, they use what they call it? Um, uh, retina scan. Yeah, the, the tracking. No? It's coming to Hyderabad too. Surveillance. Surveillance. Absolute surveillance states and you get your points according to it where the government will deny you so many things which is your right because they grade you and you will see it's an entire nation of one billion plus has become a surveillance state. Mm. <coughs> okay, And uh, we are moving towards that and we see it here. And the only thing is that when these things happen, what do we do? We we pray, and uh, we'll have to see how the Spirit of God leads us. I'm not saying that we do resist or anything unless the God, God says. And what do you do? I don't know. In China, what will anybody do? They will put you in a camp. Hmm. So what will they do in other countries? I do not know. Like more lib liberal, free countries like Europe and all, maybe they will, may not allow you to travel I don't know, they may isolate you. We do not know how this thing will go. But there is danger in it. So I believe that people have to come up and you will be isolated, mocked by the media, by Hollywood and Bollywood. And uh, then, you know, you see, 
you will become a social outcast because you are standing upon something which you believe is unethical and immoral to infringe into something and believing that like you look there aren't that many cases mm. uh, actually in the world if you look at it a lot of people are not what they call asymptomatic they are not even bothered by this covid-19 and why force them to take the vaccine you know and uh, what is the damage the vaccine will do but basically it is like i see it's a precursor to what is coming mm. that's my that's my and about resisting and all we'll see as it comes as as the lord leads but ultimately i tell you even if it is comes to a point we all have to take it we always i have always believed and i always see it happening in my own personal life the promise from mark chapter 16 that even if you take poison it will not harm you I meaning if they're going to do some chemicals in it to basically control the way we think and make us very very what Uh, servile people like you know i don't like i said i never trust the system i don't trust the system i don't trust the people who control the system not the so much as the politicians there is this unseen bureaucracy which is there forever yes politicians come and go but there is this unseen what they call in us the deep, deep state. state you look at the junk they did with general flynn you look at all the things that are coming out there was absolutely no evidence at all and even they were not and they were lying absolutely this is high ranking officials standing before tv lying about the collusion and all while when they were actually asked to swear in the congress and then known though it's perjury they told they have no evidence about the russian collusion nothing at all absolutely nothing at all they have no evidence at all but before the cameras they told another and these are the people who control our lives mm. control and i'm like they keep saying if a three star general who was a national appointed by the president to be one of his national security adviser who spent three decades in the us army could be set up by the fbi then what about the rest of the people who have no power no influence nothing at all and i know that like we always say about income tax if you look at the income tax rules no, even a chartered account doesn't understand all the rules mm. meaning if they want to fix you they can fix you they can fix you if the cops want to fix you they can fix you if the system wants to fix you they can fix you they can fix you in any number of ways and we know that so our only protection is god mm. so we have to trust god if the system is hostile and nasty they can create evidence and put you and lock you up forever and they can do it and they have done it in all this what totalitarian regimes they have done it and like north korea was sharing such a huge border with china saying this not a single covid-19 case in north korea you must be joking mm. but this is how and people people just swallow it you need to realize in the world we are living in today we are talking about freedom but there's no real freedom and when these things comes we take our decision or we pray our way through lord protect me that in the decisions i make lord let me not deny you that's my only thing lord because you said if you deny me on earth i will deny i will deny you in heaven that's the only thing that concerns me lord i never want i would rather die than deny you lord let it not be that you see this particular act as being denial 
I'm not saying taking a vaccination is that, but I'm saying if it comes to that one step, the next step, the next step, you know. And so those are areas we need to be very, very careful. And I leave it open. I can only decide for myself. I will never, ever, even when we preach from the pulpit, we preach the truth and leave it. We will never in our church, we never enforce those things. We leave it to you to make your own decisions. Other than the basic rules as the church functions, we do not enforce these decisions. Each one takes it on their own. Yes, Pastor Vidya. And the second question. Yes, the second part of the question. Yeah, you travel, you go to the Northeast states, you went to Buddhist monasteries. So my question is, is that, is it wrong to visit such places even if our conscience is clear about it? Now, when I give you this expl explanation, please remember I am not uh, uh, speaking down or looking down on other religions or their beliefs. I am talking from my perspective as a servant of God, as a pastor. And I'm a Christian pastor, so I'm talking to you from the perspective of what the Word of God says, and I believe in it. And whether it's a Hindu temple or a Muslim mosque or a Catholic church, mm. or I'm a Catholic church because I'm saying with the idols there, and a Buddhist monastery. Because in all these places, any place of worship, and it is not the place of worship of the true and the living God, then def definitely there are other forces yes. that are behind there mm. which is not of God. Mm. So the issue is, uh, as you continue to walk with God further, God will show you these were all stumbling blocks. These were all stumbling blocks and he will ask you to repent and renounce. And telling your child, you know, that if you were to enter into these places, a Hindu temple, or a mosque, or a Buddhist monastery, unlike most churches in the West, you have to take your footwear off. You have to take. That's why, you know, I don't want to go see Taj, though I went many, many years ago. I'll never go to Taj again. Because if you want to go into Taj, you have to take your footwear off. The problem is when you take your footwear off, it's not to keep that place clean. It's actually saying that you are paying respects to that whatever deity is there when you take your shoes off. Mm. This is a holy place. It's a sacred place. Whatever power is there, you also accept that. And I will not do that. Okay, so I will tell you personally, when I came to the Lord and much later when the Lord was showing me all these things, He said, now that you want to move further with me, repent. He actually made me sit down with a piece of paper and brought me to my memory all these places because I came to the Lord before that I had gone to all these places. Not all these places, many, many monasteries, more monasteries than temples. And I had to write it all down as he showed. And suddenly I realized in my spirit, in my soul, there was a great release because you hear it much more clearly from God. But it's a process. God will show you because you want to walk with God. And when you repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were saved. But in this walk, he will show you many things from your past, which is a stumbling block. Mm. I'll tell you one of the things which is interesting because I grew up in a Buddhist country. So I know everything about their monasteries, their prayer wheels and the thangkas and the butter lamps and their incense. It's completely different from my Hindu temple. All those things. I grew up among lamas. I even know their mantras. I can recite it in Tibetan if you want, but I will not do it. But what I'm telling you is that 
when I was going through my deliverance period, many, many years after I came to the Lord, the Lord reminded me something which happened to me when I was around 10 years old, 9 or 10 years old. One of my schoolmates in that school, in that Buddhist country, had drowned in the river that week. So they had a prayer meeting in the school. And being a Buddhist country and the prayer meeting, my parents were secular, so that was the principle. What happened, we had the entire school in, the, in that area, and the Buddhist monks came. And we all sat there, and the whole day was spent in chanting. The Lord said, do you remember? And I suddenly remembered something which was of my childhood after like 30 years later, 30, 35 years remember. He said, do you remember? I said, yes, Lord, I remember. He said, remember you sat there? I said, yes, sir. So you were sitting in that presence. Now renounce that. Hmm. Renounce that. That you had nothing to do with it. Renounce that so that the enemy has nothing to hold you back as you continue to walk with me. So these are things part of your deliverance. I am not uh, demeaning anything of the other religions. That's their business. I am talking to you as a pastor, to a Christian, what would you do? So if I were to, like, like, like what I do for how many years it's been, I've been traveling for donkey's years to different countries. And every country I go, I make it very clear, I am not a tourist. I go to preach. I don't go shopping. I go shopping. I buy stuff for my girls, my wife, and my daughters. That's all the shopping I do. And that's only if I have time and I have money. But I never visited. I'm not interested in visiting any of the tourist sites or any, because my, my perception is this. Uh, why waste money on tourists as a tourist? Because the day and the hour is coming when Jesus will come. You will get a new body. You don't have to waste money and fuel on traveling. Jesus' body, I saw it there. I mean, we see he walks through the walls. He goes, he comes. So I can see the whole world free. And I won't be even tired. So why waste time now when a great time is coming? That's why I said I don't even want to see Jerusalem. Not interested. I mm. want to see Jesus, not Jerusalem. Amen. Jerusalem should be seen when Jesus has come. I am not a pilgrim who is going to do all those devout things. Paul says, even I don't want to know Jesus in the flesh. Mm -hmm. We knew him in the flesh. We don't want to know him in the flesh. That's how I look at my, how I look at life. If you like it, you can appropriate. There is no copyright on it. Uh, it's free. I have a question, Pastor. So when you take your shoes off and you get into the temple, is it an act of worship to that God? It's an act of respect. Whether you're worshipping or not. Oh, it's because well. it's the only place in the Bible it says this is holy ground and you take the yeah, shoes off. Shoes off. Yeah, so that's, that's why a, all oh. the sacred places have that take your this thing off. Mm. You know? In the new covenant what has happened, we don't enforce that at all because God has come inside. Amen, amen, amen. God has come inside. So mm. actually we wear uh, shoes because now we are holy ground. We are holy ground. Hallelujah. We are holy ground. But it's okay. I said, tell people. There are a lot of places I go where the churches, they have and I keep them. I said, you always, when you go into a church, when you go through that, go by their rules. Never try to buck the rule because we are not rebels. Amen. Even when I have gone to the little, little, tiny churches in the most remote places with tin roof, and it's a simple pastor who hardly knows his word, the Lord has told me, remember, in this church, he's the boss and not you. You preach what he says hmm. and go by that. Because we are not rebels, we are servants. Okay, so the next question is a four-part question, Pastor, if you can answer it. Question two? Question two is a four-part question. Okay. So we'll answer it one by one. Yeah. 
For women like me who was told by the doctor my child was abnormal, the growth was abnormal, the doctor told me to abort it. I did. Will I see my child in heaven? I asked God to forgive me and I did repent. Is that all I have to do? Okay, first question, yes. That's all you have to do. Okay, God forgiven. You always have to believe what scripture says. Can I have that uh, that verse 1 John? Yeah, chapter 1. Verse 8 and 9, 10. 7, 8, 9, 10, right? No, I really, really want this to tell every one of you, okay? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How does he cleanse us from all sin? Okay, come down further. If we We confess confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My only thing question to people always is, when I confess and you confess, what are we banking on? My confession or his faithfulness? His faithfulness. His faithfulness. Amen. His faithfulness. Hallelujah. Thank you. I am not going to ask, did I confess enough? Is this the language he wanted? Did I cry enough? Did I shed enough tears? No. No. I am putting my entire trust. If I, my salvation was entirely on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the rest of the work also will be entirely based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Amen. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So that's where. And Timothy, in the letter to Timothy, Paul says, even when we are unfaithful, unfaithful. he's still faithful because he cannot deny, deny himself. So sister, I'll tell you, if you have repented, Yes, you are forgiven and don't walk with guilt, don't walk with condemnation. That's from the devil once you are forgiven. And yes, you will see your child. All children, God loves them. So the second part of the question is, Pastor, my son is a drug addict, kicked him out of the house at 18. He is in very bad shape. I said many nasty things to him. Do you think God will forgive me for the stuff that I said? I was wrong, but now when I hear the messages, I feel horrible. Am I forgiven? I did ask God for forgiveness. Yes, you ask God for forgiveness and God's side you are forgiven and when your kids are drug addicts and they go down the road, it's very painful as a parent because it's like the prodigal son. Like I keep in saying in my messages everywhere, that prodigal son in that story came back. But uh, all prodigals don't come back. We wish they came back, but they do not come back. But I pray he comes back. And uh, you said nasty stuff. If any point in time he calls you, I would say that you should tell him, I'm sorry for what I said. I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. I shouldn't have said it, but I should have done it because you cannot allow a child like that and destroy your whole home because uh, that's not right. And the prodigal son's father did it. And let me give you something from Luke chapter 15. And uh, this is a story of the prodigal son. And verse 16, I guess you know the story of the prodigal son. He goes further and further and further, loses all his money, famine hits that place, he hires himself to a man there, and he's put in charge of taking care of pigs, and he's absolutely hungry, 
and verse 16 says, he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And look at the last part of that sentence. And no one gave him anything. Often with prodigal children, you have to come to that point where no one will give them anything before they will come to their senses. If somebody gives them anything, they will not come back. They will not come back. So whatever it is they are addicted to, just pray God that nobody will give them anything. Nobody will come give them anything. And then they come to the end of themselves, they come to their senses, and when they call, you say, you can come back. And that's how restoration takes place. And uh, the next question is: Yeah, it says, "I have been, uh, I have been very nasty to my husband's kids. He was married, and his wife died. He has two children, a boy and a girl. I have a great relationship with him now, but initially I was a jealous wife, and did not treat them right. I went to God and asked for mercy. Do you think that is all I need to do? They're very angry and bitter. Don't want to hear about Jesus now. I believe I was a stumbling block after hearing Pastor's, Pastor Vijay's message." I'm praying for God's mercy upon them. Should I do something more to help them? Yes. You, if you haven't, you say you have a good relationship with now, but uh, if you haven't asked them to forgive you for the way you treated them, then you should. That's one of the way of healing their wounds because they have to see that you are real, that your God is real because they know, they will know that something has happened to you. That this is not the same you. That's how people, that's a power of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's, it's when the Roman hardened, some of the most hardened soldiers were the ones who were deputed to crucify mm. the victims. Because they hardened. Blood doesn't mean anything. The Roman soldiers were unbelievably cruel. Okay, the old days, the soldiers were unbelievably, they will chop you into pieces. They have no remorse or anything about it. But what made that soldier to say it? Surely, this was the Son of God. Is he's hearing the words of Jesus Christ, and he hears a man in agony forgiving others. Okay, forgiving others, and I'm telling you, if you look at what, if I tell you, if I, if I were to tell you one thing that makes Christianity absolutely different from all other religions, it is forgiveness. It is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. God in Christ forgives the most wicked, unbelievable criminal you can think of. He forgives them if they come to him. And therefore, we extend that same forgiveness. And in your case, if you haven't done it, I would say pray about it, compose yourself, call them one by one and say, you know what, I have something to say. I wasn't right the way I treated you when I was your stepmom. I was meant to be your mom, and I didn't treat you like that. I was very nasty to you. I cannot change what has happened. I'm glad what you are now, but I want to ask you to forgive me. And you will see God's healing will start flowing into their lives and into your life also. I promise you, if you haven't done that, and if you do it, you will experience an incredible power of God and deliverance. Let me tell you, one of those women I really, really admire in the past this century is somebody called Cory Ten Boom. I hope you have heard about her. 
she and her, her entire family practically perished in the German concentration camp. And they were Dutch, and her family used to hide the Jews in one of their secret rooms. But finally, when the Gestapo found them, they were all incarcerated, and most of them died. Her sisters, I think two of them, died in the concentrator camp. They were skin and bones. She's the only one, if I, I can remember, but she's the only one, if I remember, survived. And she became an incredible woman of God. Till the day she practically died, she lived off a suitcase, traveled around the world, lived in hotels. She was, if I'm right, she was single till she died in her 80s. Preached Christ, shared her testimony preached Christ everywhere and she called herself the tramp for God. Mm. And in one of her meetings, when she was talking about the forgiveness of God and God's mercy and forgiveness, in one of her meetings, uh, at the end of the meeting in Germany, if I'm right, one of the guys came and said, Sister, I'm really, really touched. I want to thank God and I want to, I want to, uh, he, showed his hand so that he he could shake her hands and she looked at him and she recognized. She recognized this was one of the guards in the concentration camp. One of the guys responsible for both her sister's death and she said she she simply couldn't couldn't make herself to stretch her hand and shake his hands. But finally she with all her willpower she stretched forward and when she took his hands she said she literally felt the power of God flowing through her into him and she felt she was set free. Okay, so you have to realize when God says forgive, it's for our benefit. Amen. It's not even for the other person's benefit. They may know, they may not know, they may receive, they may not receive, but it is for our benefit. We are absolutely clear to receive the power of God flowing into our lives every day. That's part of our daily prayer, right? Give us our daily bread, lead me not into temptation, deliver from me all. All that is part of our daily needs. But he says there's something more. You also need to forgive daily so that my forgiveness and my power can flow into your life. Every day. That's how it works. So the last part you want to take the question. And I will tell you, the more you walk in forgiveness and the more closer you walk with God, God will also see that you have more enemies in life. (laughs) Because that's the power of forgiveness. Because why? He wants you to make make you perfect. And perfect in what? Primarily in love. Because faith, hope, all will fade away. The greatest is love. And the greatest love is where you learn to love your enemies. And that was the final testimony of Jesus. He prayed over his enemies. Your messages and Pastor Vijay's messages are very challenging to live up to. And to live a righteous life before God. I fail every day. Makes me feel really guilty all the time. How come I keep missing the mark? No, we are not missing the mark. We are growing towards the mark. Please remember that. Nobody has achieved the mark. Meaning, what are we actually? We are positionally righteous. Meaning, deep inside us is a new born again person who has been recreated in the image of Jesus Christ. Now that person has to grow. Mm. And the people who struggle are people who come to God much later in life. Because they look at their life as a waste. They know so much of the world and of their past and they really, really struggle. But you don't have to go through condemnation. You don't. It doesn't matter what, what age you came to God. 
What matters is what are you going to do from now? Remember, your clock starts ticking as far as your spiritual life is concerned. It starts ticking only from the day you accept Christ. And even then you have a lot of leeway in the first beginning phase of your life because you're just a child, a child. We give a lot of freedom to children to grow. So you're growing, but you have to keep repenting. And like I said in the first case, always believe that he's faithful and he's just and he forgives you and keep on moving and keep on moving. And don't try to do anything on your own. Every day ask God, truly help me, Lord, to live this life. Mm -hmm. We are not living our life. We are allowing what does walk by faith mean, live by faith mean. It means that we are allowing God to live his life through us. Peter, can you just give me that Bible? No, actually, I didn't need the Bible. Now, Peter, you can take it back. Now, for a few seconds, Peter had to stop living his life. The minute he heard my voice, Peter, bring me his, bring your Bible. He stopped living and he started living my life. He brought the Bible. Now, I didn't want the Bible. I said, you can take it back. So he went back. Now he's living his life again. He's sitting there and he's listening carefully to what I'm seeing. Now he's living his life. But for a moment, he had to cease living his life. He had to live my life. Mm -hmm. How did it come? He heard what I said. He believed. He obeyed. That's the life of faith. The life of faith, we are not living our life. We are allowing God to live through us. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And that life is not an easy life. For that we need grace. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say, Lord, I heard, I want to obey. I pray, Lord, today, please, I need the power of God to live this life out. Wherever we fall, we go back to God. We say, Daddy, I'm sorry. You have to use that word, okay? Don't say Almighty God and all. Now he's your father. He's Almighty God too. But you say, Daddy, in a daily life you have to say like that. Okay, like when I went to school, I, I was absolutely, first couple of times I got knocks, I understood that. After, after that, I was very clear, like I looked at my father and I, I'd always say, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Never say that. And when he came home, I never said, sir. If I said, sir, at home, I would get another knock. Okay, so I'm not sir, I'm your father. There, I'm not your father, I'm your principal. So please remember, he's almighty God. But in our day-to-day walk, you know, in a church kind of setting, we'll always say Almighty God and Heavenly Father because there may be others who do not understand this concept about Father. There could be a lot of people who are searching, unbelievers sitting over there. and We don't want them to say our Father when God is not their Father. Like the Canaanite woman saying, Son of David, have mercy. Jesus ignored her because she is a Canaanite and he is... Uh, the son of David, a Jew, and that's not for her. Okay, so that way. But every day you have to learn to talk to him as you talk to your father, and you will suddenly realize you can't get a father like that. And walking with him is not as difficult as it sounds. Pastor, question number five, Pastor. Five? Okay. How, it's, it's related to life-related questions, so I just thought we'll finish that. Making that face is not enough sugar. Uh-huh. But it's okay, better than last time. How do you discern people and if they are for real as Christians or not? So many people claim to be so holy and pious, yet all you hear from them is gossip, slander, lies, and they keep saying or just warning you, just warning you, be careful. But they themselves are so full of crap. 
We're just reading acid color. You okay. know them, by the way, they talk. But then why is it that they can't stop the flippant tongue from wagging? It is sad and very disturbing. You just want to tell them to go where the sun don't shine. This is an absolute New Yorker. The language tells me this is all the way from New York. Okay. It's, it's because that's a fallen man. Okay. If we were saved by our good works alone, none of us would make it. Okay. I'm not saying all these people are saved, but remember salvation happens kind of instantly when you Absolutely put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are saved inside. Sanctification is a process. Mm -hmm. Discipleship is a process. But what happens is in many, many churches, they do not have discipleship. They just gather crowds, give them what they like. They gather the money. And there's no process of discipling a person that the sanctification part is such an important because it's the sanctification that actually gives you the hope of glorification. Amen. And churches fail in discipling their people. There's, there's hardly any teaching. If you look at it, it's hardly any teaching. In most churches, you look at it, there's very little teaching. And that teaching is that changes people, real in-depth teaching of what is expected from a believer, what is expected from a child of God, and then you will see people will change. What I would say that in these kind of things, you have to gently tell them it's not right. What you talk about others is not right. Uh, you always have to say that this is scripture. If you know something, somebody has done something, did you go to that brother? Hmm. The Bible is very clear about it. Did you go directly talk to that person? Okay. Ask them straight up. No. Then don't talk to me about it. First thing you need to realize, I don't even want to hear about it. It's got nothing to do with me. Yes. Because most of the stuff people talk has got nothing to do with them. They got uh, what? Uh, this is this uh, gossiping tongue and inclining ear made for each other. So you have to tell, my ear is not for sale. My ear is not for sale. I have no time for this kind of junk. Find somebody else, but I don't have time for this junk. Okay? And then if it is something that affects you, concerns you, because it is somebody whom you know, a friend of yours, then you said, did you talk to that person? Did you talk to that person? No. Then you said, would you mind if I call that person? Could you repeat this before that person? That person will probably scoot for his life. Mm. Okay, that's how you warn them so that then they realize you are not a target for gossip. Target for gossip. Yeah. Okay, target for gossip. And no, that's how you also teach them. Teach them that don't do this. It's not good for you. Okay. Yes. And question number six says, honestly, Pastor James, my worst experiences are with Christian men, women and men. Just so negative, absolute sheep in wolf's clothing. Actually, wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay. Actually, yeah. That is what kept me from the church for years. I was always afraid if I told them too much, my garbage would be, my garbage would be all over CNN or the FM radio. Mm. They're truly stumbling blocks. They always talk about how this person is and that person is and how they have a track record of lying, stealing, lusting. But they themselves are the worst kind you can meet. What is up with that? Is that the norm in the church? It's not the norm in the church, but also, let me tell you, like, you know, um, uh, there is no perfect church. 
Okay. If you ever, <laughs> this is the old jokes pastors say that if you ever find a perfect church, please join. Don't join that church because you will spoil it. Okay. There's nothing called a perfect church. We are all on that road. And, uh, uh, many of the people sitting in churches, like big, large churches and all, if they are traditional mainline churches where family generations have been going, let me tell you honestly, many of them are not saved. They are not saved. They really haven't repented and come to a salvation experience with God, like the encounter with the living God where they know who they are and who God is and what God did through Christ Jesus and they cried out to Him for mercy, like I said in the answer to the first question. And then you are on the road to discipleship and then uh, yes those people are stumbling blocks like uh, god tells the final church in the book of revelation laodicea either be hot or be cold these are people whom jesus calls lukewarm and lukewarm christians are the biggest stumbling blocks in christendom if you're on fire for god then Either you attract people to Christ or you repel people. One or the two. You know, you, they will run away from you or they will repent. If you are cold, you are not in the church anyway. You are in the world. So you are not a stumbling block to any Christian. But the problem is, is lukewarm people neither are hot nor they leave the church. They are the ones who do this. And that's to him, Jesus says, I'll spew out of my mouth. Repent. I'm standing at the door of your heart. And you will always see. Look on Christians are a terrible, terrible stumbling block to others from coming to Christ. And they are carnal. You look at the Old Testament pattern is in the Old Testament. Uh, when Moses led them out of Egypt, uh, the Israelites all came out. And you see, Israelites also had mingled and intermarried and there were a lot of slaves from other nations and also some of them also must have come out because it was who are heard. So they are called the mixed multitude, the mixed multitude. Okay. Are you Jewish? No. Are you Gentile? No. Okay. And you will always realize the trouble was always started by the mixed multitude. Yes. The mixed multitude. So in every church, there is a mixed multitude and God keeps them there. But they are also the people God uses to sanctify us. How do I know if the mixed multitude, that nature is not in me, it's only when I see them. Yes. And I realize, okay, that's there in me too. Okay, so first I repent, then I correct them. Because otherwise, if we are all sacred people around, we don't even realize who we really, really are. So God keeps all. The Bible says there should be divisions among them. There should be divisions among you because if there is, how would you know Abraham was, had really humbled and he was looking up, up to God for his prosperity and increase? How did you know that he really believed when there was division between him and Lot? That was that thought showed who really was. Then he came and said, we are brethren. Why should we have conflict? You take first choice. Whichever direction you go, I will go into the oh, this thing. Then you realize, and he also realized, I actually believe God is the reason for my prosperity and I don't have to hold on to anything. Let him take. And then he goes and later you realize five kingdoms come and Sodom is attacked and his brother, his cousin, his nephew is uh, taken captive. One servant alone escaped. Why did one servant escape? Not for Lord's sake, for Abraham's sake. Because Abraham is the one who is called. You need to realize, sister, when you are writing all these questions, 
It's a believer who is being tested. Not the mixed multitude or the unbeliever. The tests are all for the believer because he's the one on the race. So God may even send people to gossip to you. Because you are the one who is being tested. Will you listen? Will you correct? You are the one who is being tested. Not them. They are not being tested at all because they may not be even saved, just namesake Christian on the road to hell and they don't know it. But the test is for you. So when this one servant escapes and comes and tells Abraham that your nephew has been taken, it's a test for Abraham. Did you really let go? Did you really forgive him? Do you really love that brother? And scripture says, it 318 servants, trained servants from his household, he packs up and he goes and he goes all the way and fights and rescues his nephew. nephew. And doesn't tell him, now that I have rescued you, your life belongs to me, come and follow me and live under me. He just gives him the freedom still to choose. And he takes that like a prodigal nephew, he goes back to Sodom. He doesn't stop him. These are fundamental principles we need to realize. When we help somebody, our help should be always unconditional. I'm helping you, so become a Christian. No. no. I'm helping you because I am a Christian. Amen. I'm not helping you so that you will become a Christian. Hallelujah. You will become a Christian because you encountered Christ, Christ, not because of my help. No strings attached. No strings attached. That's how we move ahead in life. And that's why some of the criticisms by governments when they talk about your ways of evangelism and all. It's not that it is all true, but sometimes it is true that we try to, maybe they say missions try to induce people to convert and all, but that's never genuine conversion. Never genuine conversion. Yes, Pastor Vijay. This is possibly, possibly from the Middle East, Pastor. This is question number seven. Seven. This is, again, a four-part question. Mm-hmm. So many voices in this present time. You mm-hmm. say, listen only to God, but sometimes we don't hear. We get confused. So we should not be all excited to tell everybody if we heard from God. Just wait to have two or three witnesses. I mean, hearing from God, please, new believers, please remember, you don't have to hear from God. You have just have to read your Bible. You will hear as you read your Bible. And you can witness. The Bible is our text. Even when I am talking about most of what we I hear is uh, uh, hearing from the Word of God. Okay, hearing from the word of God. And sometimes we hear very clearly, like in our cases, it's slightly different because we are preachers. Like especially I go on missions. Pastor Vijay is a resident preacher. I go on missions. So Mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm going on missions and I have to preach, like on a regular service in a church or congregation, I don't know at all. So he gives me a dream and gives me the scripture exactly to what to preach in that church. In the dream, I see the scripture. So I wake up early in the morning, I prepare. So I know God has spoken because I don't know the sheep, but he knows his sheep. So that way. But don't worry about it. Stick to scripture. And as you learn the word of God, you will hear God quietly speaking to you in your spirit through scripture. Always have this. Back it with the word of God. Don't go by voices. Hmm. Don't anything that you hear you can absolutely boldly ask God, I heard this, Lord, give me at least two scriptures. Because you said, witness of two or three witnesses, everything shall be established. At least give me two witnesses to prove from scripture. Then if you get that two scripture also, you can still ask him, Lord, show me it also agrees with your character. Mm. 
the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. You can, as a young, you can. No, God has no issues with all this with young believers. You know, poor Gideon, <laughs> he was such a fearful fellow. He said, "I'll put the fleece out, Lord. Please forgive me, Lord. Let it drain all over. What do all around? Let the fleece be dry." Right. Mm-hmm. God said, "Fine." Next day, he says, "It's dry." He said, "Please, Lord, please, Lord. I'm still not sure, Lord. Tomorrow, let let the whole ground be dry and the fleece be wet." God said, fine, next day morning the fleece is wet. He said, he's still very afraid. He said, okay, one more thing. Why don't you and your friend, your assistant, go to the enemy's camp and listen to what the enemy is saying. Then when he heard the enemy is talking about Gideon in such great terms and warrior and all, he said, okay, I will fight. So with young believers, you can always, I'm not saying you need to, if you can take God at his word when you read the Bible, fantastic. But if you don't, and it's all got to do with our own experiences, with people, you know, we trusted our fathers, our fathers let down. We trusted our mothers, they let us down. We trusted our teachers, they let us down. We trusted our spouses, they let us down. So our entire life of all the people who spoke into our lives were people who failed us. Mm. But So we bring that into our relationship with God. So God allows Time so that we will know that he's the only one who never fails us and that he's absolutely true and faithful. Yes. Spending time and sitting at the feet of Jesus is not a problem. But while we are sitting at the feet of Jesus, so many distractions. Even if you turn off phones, children, children are asleep. Is it normal to be constantly distracted as his children? Yes. Because you are all new, you are all learning the whole process. Uh, but when you are saying sitting at his feet, one of the things what when we wait on the Lord, the things we do is either we are praying, we are singing, or we are studying, or we are listening to music. This is all waiting on the Lord. Amen. All this. It's not, we are not doing transcendental meditation. meditation. Okay. We don't do stuff like that. Okay. We don't do that. It's a very dangerous thing to sit still. You'll hear lots of voices. Okay. We don't do stuff like that. Either we are praising, we are praying, or we're listening to a sermon, or we're studying. We do all this through as we go through that. And you will see God will speak through, speak through. He doesn't want us to go into a trance and all those kind of things. Uh, He doesn't want us to do. Okay. He's a very, Genuine God, genuine God. Okay, so this 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 discipline of listening, like you no, know, okay, for all those who are listening, let me give me give you a simple class, which I give everywhere. Okay, when we teach English, when we teach English, okay, we have these four letters: L S R W. Okay, listening, speaking, reading, reading, writing. That's how the skills are developed. The first and the most important skill is the skill to listen. Mm. And that's a discipline. It's not a skill, it's a discipline. It's not easy. It's not easy. If you learn to discipline yourself to listen, speaking is easy. Mm. A lot of people speak well, but they have junk. They speak junk. You know they are not making any sense at all. I'm talking about if you learn about Jesus Christ, it is absolutely beautifully written in the book of Isaiah that that's how we began. Mm. So that God gave him uh, the the tongue of a instructor instructor tongue God gave him. So listening is the most important thing. So that's the discipline. Now, let us say I'm 50 years old and I was never disciplined myself to listen. 
And then at 50 I get saved. <laughs> and suddenly you hear the most important thing in life is faith comes from hearing. Of course I will struggle to listen. But ask God again, Lord, help me, teach me, Lord, to listen, to concentrate, to see. Our church, easy. From the day we started, messages were one hour, 30 minutes, one hour, 45 minutes. Everybody was disciplined. And we had people coming from US and all into our churches. Mm, supposedly, high fund of Pentecostal churches and all. But what happened is that 30 minutes later, 35 minutes later, they were looking to the left and right and they saw nobody was moving. And they didn't understand. 45 minutes, nobody is moving. One hour, nobody is moving. That's when they realized you can actually preach for one hour, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and people will listen. These psychologists and all have come into the church and said, 20 minute attention span. Nonsense. Jesus spoke for three days and all, and then he fed them. Paul preached all the way till late night. Fun fellow, poor fellow. He's been immortalized in his history because he fell asleep, fell from the window, fell dead. He died. He went back, resurrected him and continued preaching till morning. And we look into the scripture and says, if that is the truth, that is it. So Amen. what has happened is, we have got distracted by so many other things. Ideas. We have lost the ability to concentrate and listen. Ask God, he will train you. But be willing for tough training. Cut out other voices, cut out other things and learn to listen. Yes. This next question is a little slightly on the, I think it's a comment. Yeah, yeah, that's These, fine. these thoughts, I'm not forgiven. It's all lies. Don't listen. This is a lie. You're a Muslim. How do we rebuke this? Now that I'm a believer in Christ, I keep hearing that you're a Muslim, not a Christian. You will die if you leave Allah. Okay, these things will be, and this is an attack. This is a spiritual attack that will come to people, all who come from, depending upon what faith you come from, Okay whichever faith you come and to a genuine experience with Jesus Christ. Now, to my Muslim brethren who are listening, <coughs> all of you know, like you the older people who are listening, as soon as your baby is born and the nurse gives that baby to the father, the mother, grandmother, whatever, what is the first thing that you speak into its ear? You know what you say? So from that moment you are bound. You are bound. That's the first thing they say. This is the God. This is his prophet and nobody else. First thing they and utter. God has no son. Yeah, God has no son. This is what they utter. And from that time, your mind is kind of bound. So actually, for a Muslim to get saved, it's not easy. It is not easy. It's difficult. Okay? But so you have to realize God supernaturally has intervened in your life and brought him into his kingdom. So these things will fight. And you just have to keep on. You have to open your mouth and say, confess. You open have to mouth and confess scripture. All the salvation scripture, especially the one which we had last Sunday. Mm. And I will send you that PDF. And uh, that is the one which you need to speak over yourself. It has power. Okay, can we go to Revelation 12 and verse 11? Remember the voices that speaks you are from second realm. Mm. Okay, second realm. That's the demonic realm. And if you go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, all those who overcome the devil mm -hmm. and his cohorts, they will only overcome him by this means, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. You're not afraid of death. One thing, you're not afraid of death. And this, you speak the blood and you speak it out. 
how it applies. And we gave you, and I will send it to you tonight. As soon as this is over, I will send it to you. Speak that constantly, and you will realize it will stop. Hallelujah. It will stop. The last part is, mm. is it normal for all of us in the family to hear the same day clearly from God? Or sometimes a few will hear, they say you should always have confirmation from God. I don't understand when we hear the messages, we sit and discuss and we pray. Mm. Friday we pray all day. Sometimes we hear, we hear and we get a confirmation. Sometimes we don't. Is that okay? Don't mention the numbers, yeah. We are about that, uh, we, we gather at home. Shh, not supposed to be that way, but okay. we are home. Yeah. Please explain about hearing from God. Yeah, this is where you have to be careful again, okay? Now we are talking about first thing all your dear new brethren used to do that. Keep reading the Bible. Keep reading it over and over and over and over again. Systematically keep reading. Know your text well. This is what, I mean, because I taught English literature, that's what I used to tell my students. If you don't know your text, you will not know what I am saying. If you need to know what I am saying, you need to know the text well. Okay? So don't read books about the Bible, which is good at a later stage, yes, but first know your text. Because it's like reading a guide instead of reading your text. And the guide can be wrong. The guide could be a man's understanding of what the Bible is. So know your text well. Read your text well. And as you read your text, God will speak to you. And when we are preaching also, God will be speaking to you through. It's not we who are speaking. You will hear. And it doesn't matter. You might just hear. And in these initial stages of your life, a lot of things which you will hear in life are things which you need to change. It's got to do with sanctification. A lot of things which are connected with your earlier faith, earlier lifestyle, the hypocrisy of it, the outward adherence to the law, but the inward reality was completely different. And God, it's just showing you these things mm-hmm. and not primarily anything to do. Okay, not anything to do. Don't jump out and do anything unless God has told you very, very, even about witnessing to some of your friends or relatives, be very sure because you can be set up. So you have to be very, because I had friends, not in the friends in other countries. They were led by the flesh, they witnessed and went into jail. And they went into hard labor and all. They lost their government jobs and all that. Because you have to be very in those. When it comes to witnessing in these kind of situations, be very clearly be led by God. The other things connected with change in your life is safe. Mm. It's a ministry part. You have to be very, very, very careful whom you share, what you share, how you share, all these things. You have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Use wisdom, use discernment. It's better to be slow than to jump. But when it comes to changing, keep changing. So there are these two parts of body. Remember about Jesus Christ. Jesus did nothing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Nobody even saw him. Why? About his ministry, he was waiting for his father to speak. But when about his life, every day he was hearing and changing, 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 until the Bible says he was perfect in his obedience. Mm. That God will speak to all of us. All of us will say, you are unkind to this person. That is not the word you should have used. You did not actually pray today. You are sleeping too much. You are eating too much. All these things Father will speak to you. (laughs) But that is all got to do with your sanctification. Sanctification. 
But I'm talking about the other thing. We have to be very careful. Yeah. Very, very careful. What? And because we are all different, each one in a same message may hear different things connected with change. We are not all changing the same way. Like Peter may not have to change at all in an area where I may need to change. While he may have to change completely in another area where I don't have to change. Only the Spirit of God who searches our hearts, our innermost being, who knows our thoughts, our intents, only he knows where each person has to change. So when we are preaching, we are not giving you knowledge. We are releasing the word we preach into the hands of the Holy Spirit to impress in the heart and the spirit of each person so they receive the change. That's how it works. Amen. That's why the scripture says the word of God is living. Hallelujah. Pastor, question number three, um, because we're continuing in the same. Three. Okay. Yes, Pastor. Can you tell me why Muslims believe what Muhammad, that Muhammad is that last prophet? They say it is in the Bible and that is Abraham. Um, not that's Abraham. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they say it is in the Bible. Okay. Mm, yeah. They also believe that Jesus is Mary's son and that Jesus had a relationship with Mary. Question mark. Can you explain why they believe all these lies? Because that's what was uh, repeated to them. Now, let me tell you where they picked this from. And the Bible is not talking about, by the way, it's not talking about Muhammad. It is talking about Jesus Christ. If you go to me to Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18. And verse 15 and verse 18. <clears throat> this is Moses speaking to the next generation. Okay? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him. Look at the capital there, him. You shall hear. Okay? Now the Bible is talking about this, about Jesus Christ. Moses brought the law. After Moses, nobody will come and speak the law. Prophets will come, bring correction, judgment, everything. Nobody will come and give the law. It changes everything. The next person who will come and change the entire covenant is Jesus Christ. Yes. He will come and change the whole thing. That's why John 1, 17 says, law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through. Jesus. So Moses is talking about, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Come to verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. And I I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. That's where Jesus will come and says, whatever I speak, I'm speaking what the Father says. Now what has happened is that the Muslims have taken these two things and they say, Muhammad is the last prophet. Muhammad is the last prophet. They claim that Moses was not Abraham actually, that Moses was speaking about, uh, about, uh, Muhammad. Muhammad. No, Moses was not speaking about Muhammad. Moses was speaking about Jesus. That's why when Jesus uh, went and John the Baptist came, there's one particular question they will ask, are you that, that prophet? That prophet? Mm. Are you that prophet? Because they knew there was a prophecy. They all knew they're waiting for that person, that person to come. Now, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 3 and verse 21 to 23. Acts chapter 3. Whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Okay, the apostles are speaking. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Mm. Now, they are not saying a prophet like him, because he's already come. 
like me from your brethren him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people so this god's final salvation if you don't listen to jesus receive the mercy that is freely offered then the only ultimatum is that you will your soul will perish okay now if you go to acts chapter 7 and 3 i'm giving you three witnesses okay now this is one set of apostles in acts chapter 7 it is stephen before the sanhedrin 737 acts 737 this is that moses who said to the children of israel the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren him you shall hear okay so when moses prophesied and the apostles all of them understood he was talking about jesus he was not talking about muhammad he's not talking about muhammad now let let me tell you explain that in one of the sessions to why there is a simple logical fallacy with what islam claims <coughs> that muhammad is the final prophet christianity judaism will never accept muhammad as a prophet not because what he because of what he it's got nothing to do with who he was as a person or anything it's got to do with what he taught mm-hmm. the reason is if you let's go to john chapter 1 and verse 17 What does it say there? Law came through Moses, but grace and truth. And grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law came through Moses. And what came through Jesus Christ is grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And if you go with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, what Jesus says when he comes. or oh, just nine is enough mm. that is specific yeah then he said behold i have come to do your will o god he takes away the first that he may establish the second so when jesus christ came he took away the old covenant that god made with israel through the law and is establishing the new covenant he is establishing through jesus christ through his blood the first covenant was a covenant of the law the second covenant is the covenant of grace mm. when grace came law was taken away now if you go to colossians we will see what happened when grace came and jesus died on the cross 2 yeah we will read from 13 yeah so that the forgiveness part all and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven all your trespasses what did he do having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us what is that the law all the requirements of the law which was contrary to us we knew this is what the law required but none of us could keep it what did he do he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to, to the cross. cross the old covenant the law was nailed to the cross and everybody was set free from the law why because he fulfilled the law in himself and after that he says for your salvation all you have to do is repent and believe in my work not you working under the law and after that 
He leads us in grace. Now it is not the law, it is the truth that sets us free. And there's entire difference between law and truth. Even, even, uh, if we were to use your term, like Islam will say you should not steal. And if you steal, what is that you do? You cut the hands of that person. Oh, in Saudi, Iran, and all you do that, you cut his hands off. But, uh, because you cut his hands off, that all he could, all he could, you could do was stop him from physically stealing. But he could teach his son how to steal well. Hmm. No, if he was somebody who was stealing on the computer, like emptying other people's account, he can continue to steal without his hands using somebody. So you only saw the outward law. But when Jesus Christ comes and sets you free, he sets you from that sin nature, and then he shows you the iniquity that was causing you to steal, that was covetousness. And he will deal with that covetousness so that you steal no more. Otherwise, you are still a thief under the law with your hands cut off. Nothing has changed inside. So that is the difference between the law. The law only touched your outside behavior. It was good for the, good for the society. society. So Islam, any law is good only for the outside. It doesn't change the inside man. And all of your Muslim brethren or any religious people, you listen, you know that is true. Jesus did not come to change the outside behavior. He says, I will change you from inside so your outside behavior and inside Thoughts are the same. It becomes natural over a process. So why I say the logical fallacy is that law came through Moses, grace and truth came Jesus Christ, and when he came, the law was cancelled out. So if the law was taken out, what did Muhammad, the Prophet Muhammad bring through Islam? Law again. Law. Law cannot come back again. It was cancelled. What is Sharia? It's nothing. Sharia is nothing different from the old covenant laws. It's practically identical. You have shifted Jerusalem to Mecca. Other than that, there is nothing much. A little here and there changes have made to make give it its own coloring. But ideally, go into the core of what is Sharia and what is Judaism law. It is the same. Hmm. When it comes to society, it is equally like only Sharia is a little more tougher. But it, it it simply cannot happen. Law came. Cancel on the cross, grace and truth is released, law doesn't come back. Does not come back. It does not come back. So that is where you have to realize where it is, uh, it is not true. These are all lies. Because law cannot save you. And the rest of it, yeah, they believe, of course, um, uh, Quran says Jesus was born of a virgin. It does say. And if you're talking about the other relationship with Mary, Quran does not talk about it at all. Mm. Let's not talk about it. Yes. Let me ask you this question to my Muslim brother. <coughs> Simple, do a study of the old Quran which you read. <coughs> How many times is Muhammad or Ahmed exactly. mentioned in the Quran? If I'm right, three four, four, or four, four times. times. How many times is Isa mentioned in the Bible? Right, in, the, in, the Quran. In, the, in the Quran. 28 times. 28 times. Mm. Okay, so you, I'm talking to you from your Quran. Okay, 28 times. So Isa is mentioned seven times more. Then Muhammad is mentioned. And by the way, poor Muslims made to kill like fodder for Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not mentioned in the Quran at all. It's not mentioned in the Quran at all. Fighting for a city which is not in your book, while Jerusalem is there from Genesis all the way till Revelation, entirely in the Bible. Second thing, how was Jesus born according to the Quran of a virgin birth? Right? How was Muhammad born in the Quran? Normal birth. How was Jesus' life according to the Quran? Sinless. 
How was Muhammad's life according to the Quran? Normal. How was Jesus' death according to the Quran? Supernatural. You say he was not allowed to die. Gabriel came in, but even that is supernatural. How was Muhammad's life, death in the Quran? Natural. Who is the one coming back? Muhammad or Isa? Isa is the one coming back. Who is the one who does all the miracles in the Quran? Isa, not Muhammad. So you look at the Quran, actually you will realize is that it is just a mixture of the old and the new covenant. Nothing is there. Okay, actually nothing is there. If you're Muslim, because I got the Quran with me. If you were to read the Quran openly, you will realize, even the Quran is talking about Jesus Christ. And what are the Christians called in the Quran? People of the gospel. What is the gospel? Good news. Then you have to ask people of the gospel, what is the good news that people have? Mm. You know, what is the good news that people have? It is not Sharia. Grace has come. Mm. That is the good news. That is my answer to you, dear brethren. Amen. Amen. Pastor, question number four. (laughs) It's a circular question. Okay. Okay. The Freemason started in Scotland. Mm-hmm. The queen, the queen's son is now Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. He's the Grand Master. He's one of the Grand Masters. Okay. Yeah. How come people will not arrest them for all the foul play and murder and perjury? He has, uh, it's he, actually the one who's in, involved. Yeah, the next. He part. also was involved with Jeffrey Epstein. And that was the Queen's son, not uh, Charles mm-hmm. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew. Yeah. Princess Diana's death was also premeditated. Nobody even tried for. For justice to prevail. God allows all this evil. Sometimes is very baffling to my mind. Yeah. it's it, God is uh, not stopping. See, like I have repeated this over and over again. God cannot selectively intervene <laughs> and stop certain evils because God is just and right. Everything that is happening in the world, including many of our thoughts, are evil in his sight. So if he were to intervene and judge, he has to judge all of us. All of us. And he doesn't do that. He is giving, he set a day and a time for that. Till that, can we have that from um, Peter? God does not want anybody to perish. Second no? Peter chapter 2. Second Peter. Chapter 2 verses 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, 9. Chapter 3, 9. Oh, sorry. 3, 3 9. 3, oh, 9. Three, nine, three. Uh, 8 to 9. Okay, 8 and 9. 8 and 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What does it mean? That's God's patience. Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but he's long suffering towards us. God cannot say God is love and the first thing mentioned about love is love suffers long. We have no, we think we are the ones who are suffering. No, God is the one who is suffering. But this is his creation and he's a holy God and he cannot stand evil, but he suffers the evil. So that why? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repair. He's hoping, but all will not come, most will not come. But God wants everyone to come. So God has set a time, like Noah's ark, everybody knows, 120 years probably he took to build, seven more days, Noah is inside, animals are inside, door is still open, but finally scripture says, God closed the door. And the closing of that door is what we believe, the church is taken, prepared church is taken, and then there is no more time to repent. The Holy Spirit is withdrawn. 
once the holy spirit is withdrawn nobody will repent you need to realize even when we repent it is the holy spirit that is causing us to repent once that he is gone we are in trouble so please remember evil has been there prevalent from the beginning till today it will only get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and god has his time scripture says about abraham's time the sin of the amorites had not still been fulfilled filled no so god is waiting there is he we none of us know when that day or hour is god has his measuring glass and he will say that's it okay then when it comes to freemasons no freemasons did not start in scotland and all this way years and years and before the knight templars from the time of king uh, richard and all of they were all see the actual freemasons if my understanding is right it began in israel this there was always one set of uh, crazy jews they were brilliant on one side and they were also brilliantly wicked on another side okay they were brilliant and i have got i'm not an anti-semitic i love israel i love i love everybody okay i have no special place for israel i respect them because they gave us the patriarchs the bible everything came through the jews what i'm telling you is that because like i said the whole term they say freemason that's how they tried to trace it all the way back to solomon and i have a feeling that solomon had a part to play in it that when he went in search of all these things he flipped over to the occult he flipped over to the occult and the entire concept about in the freemasonry the lodge of somebody who is called a master or a grand master okay all this master who is a master a master is somebody who has learned the secret art of controlling demons and use demons for his own purpose that's a master mm. not that the demons like him or love him or anything but he has learned that secret art how to control it so that's a very secret art but if he goes wrong in it the demons will kill the master that's why all the masters are dying because they're going wrong in their art because the church is praying because the church is finally opening up their eyes and realize oh we did not know there was something like this in the background but remember the enemy needs a lot of blood sacrifices all kind of stuff junk apps everything that god has called holy the enemy will pervert it the mm-hmm. others other way around so it's scotland the scotland right of the freemason is one of the strongest but they are there everywhere us all over us india all over the world they are there in countries unbelievable thinking that they are not there they are there too they have spread everywhere and that's how they control the system you need to realize from the top till bottom they control the system the court system is controlled the police department is controlled the politicians are compromised and then put into place none of them will utter a word because they all been compromised already they know they go out of the circle they will they will destroy them using the media whatever it is and all that's how it works and i also know some of you know that you are a freemason you you go to the court and the judge is also freemason you have hand signals right you have hand signals and you are suddenly not guilty <laughs> you are set free okay all these things that's how all these all these wicked ones come out without being punished and by the way jeffrey epstein did not kill himself that's a joke right on the internet everybody knows but they pretend he committed suicide and how come all that camera of that time everything is gone and the two guards were missing such a secret right 
as if we do not know about suicide triggers. Because he had the goods on a lot of big people. A lot of heads would have rolled if he had opened his mouth. Lolita Island and all the butterflies and all the people who were taken. Oh boy, if he had opened his mouth. Politics should have been different. <laughs> so we know it all. But everybody plays a fool as if nobody knows. So another circular question. It's question number eight. And that's three parts again. Okay. We have good days and bad days. Sometimes I would like a breezer. Content of alcohol is 2 to 3%. Is that wrong? You're asking the wrong person. I don't even know what a breezer is. I don't know what a drink with 2% alcohol is. You know, uh, I wouldn't know. I mean, they say there's alcohol in the rice we eat also. So, you cannot escape actually alcohol. Alcohol is there in practically everything, right? Otherwise, will it digest? Huh? Metabolism. Yeah, we never, the doctor is saying in your liver, metabolism and all, alcohol is there. So why do you want to add to it? There's already alcohol <laughs> in your system. I am not uh, saying, I mean, I mean, Risa, 2%, 3%. I mean, like I said, you are all young, therefore, young in the sense, young in the Lord. So therefore, you are weak. So there are a lot of concessions, uh, concessions. Uh, you see, this, this, this is a pastor who has drunk earlier, okay? <laughs> he was in Canada. I was in the in the country where liquor was the cheapest in the world. No country is where liquor, actual liquor which we drink, all this brandy whiskey is cheaper than that country. And every second shop is a bar. Mm. Everybody drinks. Mm. You go to a house, they offer you a drink. When I came through it all without touching. Okay, all without touching. So if you ask me these questions, I do not know. Yes, I had Porto uh, wine, Pastor. Eh? Porto wine. You had Porto wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have also had pot wine. And I like it because it's sweet. Not okay. because it's wine. Anything <laughs> sweet, you see, anything sweet, I like. A wine, I've tried the other wine, which is bitter, I don't like it much. But if it is, I like port wine, which once I got from Goa. I liked it because it was sweet. Okay. But I had mine in Portugal, Pastor. Okay, you had in Portugal. (laughs) In Lisboa. My wife, by the way, as a little child, they had his whole vineyard and everything. And she went as a child and was dipping from the vineyard. And she fell asleep and slept till her father came and carried her from the vineyard. Okay. (laughs) Because, you know, one entire side of my family, five side of the family are Portuguese. Hallelujah. So, uh, no. Just, Just go gentle about it and, no little in between and also keep asking God because like I said everything is connected with uh, what is there inside you. Mm. Now if you know you have a weakness towards something and that it may go like if you know you used to drink heavily earlier and you have a weakness towards that then I would say run. But if not ask the Lord these are all personally this is spirit of God who will help you to come out of it and lead you through it all because he knows us better than any one of us. That's how I would say. It's okay. Fear has gone, but we are constantly ill. Could it be from the kind of life of sin we lived? Can we pray for God to heal, although we sin willingly? Is that right? <sighs> yeah. Uh, depends upon... Uh, yes. Uh, see, the thing is that um, before you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that you sinned willingly is true about all of us. <laughs> we all sinned willingly because we did not know God. And sin was our way of life. Mm. Sin was a way of life, okay? So, uh, 
Now, uh, the illness, uh, I do not know, I cannot remember exactly who this question has. Oh, this is from this circle. Okay, from this circle, let me tell you, if you are from this circle, you are ill. It also got to do with a lot of stuff that happened to your body. I would say, go to the Lord and cry out to the Lord. Absolutely, totally cry out to the Lord. Because you yourself do not know what all was done to your body. And you wouldn't want to know. That's the most terrible part of what I had when I was doing this integration for these subjects. What happens is that when the altar gets integrated, the subjects get the memory of the altars, and it is terrible. Some of the stuff that has been done to the altars is terrible. But remember, the body was the same. So some of you were made to drink things, which I don't even want to talk, mm. unbelievable things. And uh, and that's why if you notice, <clears throat> many of those people who have come out of the circle, they have cancer. They have cancer, they have in uh, sicknesses in their internal organs. But all of you, I'm telling you, come out, if you come out genuinely, go to God, surrender your body to God, of course He will heal you. He will heal you. Depends upon, again, your body belongs to the Lord now. So, if he heals you, praise God. If he doesn't heal you, he will give you the grace to come through every day, one day at a time. But either way, I'm telling you, he will not leave you. Hmm? We have so much of anger towards the circle, trying, but the old man curses all the time. We need help how to handle No, that. you have to bless, you have to just pray for them and leave it with God. You cannot be angry because remember, you are also once part of the circle. And you were also responsible for the harm and the damage and destruction of so many lives. So, Bible is very, very clear. What we sow, we reap. <clears throat> so, the answer is, if you don't like the harvest, change the seed. Mm. Change the seed. That's what God is trying to do with all of us. We sowed in the flesh destruction. So, salvation is an entirely different change. He has sown the seed of his truth, his word of God. We are born again. And after, after that, what is happening is, we are, uh, we are not reaping destruction. Amen. Because the new man is born in the spirit. So, start sowing. Can I have that portion from the book of Galatians? Chapter 6. So that they know the scripture we are looking at. Because that's God's word. And remember, word doesn't change for anybody. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So when you were in this circle before you came to the Lord, all of your swords and others also who were in the world sowed so much in the flesh. Hmm. Now don't... Reap corruption. Leave it to Christ. Identify yourself completely in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means, uh, as Romans 6 will say, reckon yourself dead every day. Every day you have to relive that. I am dead in Christ. I have been buried with Christ. I have risen with Christ. And you know what? He will take the corruption upon his body really believe there is a transference that took place on the cross. His life for my life. 
from blessing, sorry, from curses to blessing, from weakness to strength, to strength from sickness to health. There is a transference one day at a time. And then keep sowing in it. Don't go, revert back to the old life and start sowing in hatred and cursing the masters. No. You know in the circle, they were also victims. Their parents were also victims. They were bred for the circle, even the masters. Many of them were programmed when they were one or two years old. So you should have pity. Pity, okay? I'm somebody who's outside the circle and every time I see these guys, I look at the TV news, I know most of them are there. CNN and I know every anchor is of the circle, you know, and all of them are part. That's why they get triggered, you know, but I feel sorry for them. It's sorry for them when you see the, even the wicked west of the, um, witch of the west, you know who it is. I feel sorry because you know what it is, all programmed slaves. But now they have bent over to that point. You wonder whether they can come out. But I still know an incredible graciousness of our God. That thief, Lord, he said, you will be with me today. So that's our God's mercy. So please do not sow in the flesh. Keep, keep. Whenever that name comes, forgive them and bless them. And the blessing you are blessing them with is not money or anything that they will repent. And God will touch them and they will be saved. Constantly do that and you will see it really works. You have to do that. That's the power of confession. Can I have Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1? 3, 1. Remember Jesus is standing before the Father and always interceding for us. And what is the Bible say in 3, 1? Therefore, holy brethren, everybody who is saved, God looks them as holy in Christ. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Okay? Our confession. So please be very careful about what you say. Confess right. Speak right. He will take you to the Father and he will confess that before the Father. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So we have One more question and we'll stop tomorrow is Sunday. Three services. Yeah. So we'll three take, and yeah. We'll take question number four from theology. Four from theology. Hezekiah shows his kingdom and the things in the temple of God to the king of Babylon. Why is his mistake in showing those things? Why did God send his next generation into the hands of Babylon? Okay, that was not the only reason why he sent. But he said, because you did that, all those things will be taken. But basically, a lot of things that happened in the old covenant were also lessons for us in the new covenant. Okay, now in that temple, they were all that stuff were sacred stuff, sacred stuff. Okay, and what God was saying is that that was not for Babylonians. That was all connected with the covenant God made with Israel. Why did you go and show it to the Babylonians? Why would you show all your treasures to the Babylonians? And the Babylonians saw that little later they will come with the army and take all your treasures off. Okay, so God is also saying there are a lot of things (coughs) which God speaks to us, which are our treasures. And we don't, yeah, we don't share that with Gentiles. We don't share. This is basically what we are preaching is for Christians. If a Gentile listens by accident, he's not going to understand anything. But we don't share those things, the deep things of God, the secret things of God, with people who do not uh, belong to the kingdom of God. We don't share that. That's what you're talking about. Jesus says, do not throw your, your pearls, pearls before the swine. Mm. They don't appreciate it. They don't understand it. They don't value it. So in this case, that's not the only reason they went. The reason they went is so many reasons. They went into idolatry and witchcraft and false prophets and Baal worship. 
They abominations filled the land. They didn't give the land Sabbath rest. Seventh year was Sabbath rest. They didn't give it for 490 years. So finally, when everything was done, judgment was set. And they were sent into exile. So that's for tonight. We reached 9.30. Tomorrow we come back at 9.30 in the morning, Sunday morning service. We have Hindi service at 4.45. We come back to Q&A at uh, 7.30. So if you have more questions, please send them. And God willing, we will have the wisdom from him to answer those questions. I hope you're all doing fine. And don't uh, be too hard on yourself. All new young believers, don't be hard. God is very gentle. He doesn't even call you sheep. He calls you lambs. Okay, he calls you lambs. And you know what shepherds do with lambs? He carries them. He carries. You know that lambs get tired and he carries them. So don't be too hard on you. You're all very new in the Lord and you're hearing it and you're looking back at your life or the junk you did and you're realizing it. And he sees your heart. Repent, confess, and what you have. As he shows you new things, just confess. Repent and confess. It's also that the devil does not use it against you. Because remember, he is the accuser of the brethren. No? So that's all. And uh, I pray integration will take place. And you will feel more and more freedom, more deliverance. Ask God, but forgive. That's the power of it. Forgive. Now we forgive the worst of our enemies. We forgive so that we can walk with God. It's not so much for their sake. It's for our sake. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we just we come to you this night. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. I speak your comfort to all these dear brothers and sisters around the world, around from India, Lord. So many people. I, some of them I have no clue who they are, oh Lord. Don't even know how this reach them lord they've been writing father from so many parts of india so many parts of the world they are writing lord and i thank you for every one of them lord and i pray the spirit of god would speak to them would strengthen them would comfort them heal the wounds in their soul lord and oh father touch them from the sickness in their bodies you are our healer lord you are the balm of gilead I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I command every spirit of infirmity that was put into your bodies to leave in Jesus' name. Jesus. The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Yes, we are thousands of miles away. Yet it is written in Psalm 107 verse 20, I send forth my word and heal you of your infirmities. It's your word, Lord. And as they believe, as they confess, as they obey, as they walk, and as they grow in your righteousness, Lord, the word of God also proclaims, the son of righteousness shall rise over you with healing under his wings, and you shall go out like calves released from the stalls. Yes, O Lord. Let them grow, Father. Let your healing flow into them every day. Let them grow in strength. Let them grow, Father, in wisdom, O God, in righteousness, O God, and they will wax strong. All the young ones, O Lord, Lord of teenagers and early twenties have come to the Lord, Father, in these past weeks, O Father. I commit them very specially into their hands, O Lord. Protect them, 
Protect their minds, protect their hearts. Let them be filled with your hope that you have a hope and a future for them. And it is a wonderful future that you will use all of them for your kingdom and for your purpose and for your glory, Father. Let them not be shaken, let them not be moved. And I pray, Father, they will grow and they will grow fast. Create in every one of them a divine hunger in them, Lord for your righteousness and for thy kingdom, Lord. And you will fill them. That is what your word promises, Lord. Thank you, Father. By faith, once again, I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over all our dear brethren here everywhere, from all the way from U.S. all the way to Australia, Lord. And our churches all the way from Cape Town to Alaska to Sweden, everywhere, Lord. Your people are there. And our churches are there. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Cover them, protect them, and keep them, Lord. And no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment, we condemn it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. For our righteousness is of you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.